for that, that would be fantastic. Acts chapter 2, are you there? I've given you ample time. We're going to start in verse 41, which means you may have to turn one more page to get to the back of, or the end of Acts chapter 2. In John chapter 10, Jesus says this. He says, you know, the thief comes in and tries to rob you, but I have come, he says, that you might have life and they might have it more abundantly. That's what God wants for us. God's ideal for our lives is that they be abundant. Uh, in, in 1 John chapter 1, he says this, I don't want you just to have joy, that these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. He wants us to have fullness of joy. Uh, he wants us to have joy unspeakable and full of glory, a peace that passes understanding. God's idea is that our life be abundant, that it be overflowing. And the Bible literally says that God knows how to give good gifts unto his children. And the way he describes giving is, he says, good measure, pressed down, shaken, and running over. That's what God wants for us. This is kind of a, a life that God has for us. Uh, our 20th and 21st century understanding, it goes all the way back into the 20th century. So those of you who are uh, young people, you don't even know what the 20th century was. But uh, back in the 20th century, uh, we began in America to get a, a, a skewed concept of what this abundant life that God has for us was all about. And unfortunately, that's kind of rolled itself right over into the 21st century. So that many people think when Jesus said, I want you to have life and have it more abundantly, that he meant he wants us to have stuff, right? I can prove that I'm supposed to have a lot of good things because God wants to have life and life more abundantly. So I'm supposed to have better cars and better, you know, and, and houses and boats. And, and that's not at all the concept that Jesus was getting across. God is not against stuff. He's not against these things. But what God wants for us in this abundant life is going to be described here in Acts chapter 2. So I want us to ask God tonight, or this morning, to say, God, would you please make my heart desire the life that you really want for me as we're looking at it here in Acts chapter 2. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would uh, touch your word today, that you would make it powerful, that God, you would give a desire in each and every one of our hearts as Christians, a desire to uh, live for you in a greater fashion, a desire to have the life that you've planned out for us, a that you would give me, this pastor, a desire to grow closer to you and to live for you more. I pray that you would just uh, spark revival even right now, this morning, in this congregation, before the revival services start, that we would have a desire uh, to see the life that you've called us to. Help us to see it here in Acts chapter 2, and we'll thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to look here. This is, I believe, a really good description of the life that Jesus was talking about in John chapter 10. When he, boy, You guys seem like you're a little bit tired today. It's quiet out here. I don't know. It's like I'm, I'm the one that should be tired. I've only driven 16 hours and had to give my little kid away. So uh, I, I, said to, uh, I said to Mr. Gross, I said, uh, now listen. I already told my son he's in class. I said, listen, you're not losing a daughter. I can't say you're gaining anything, but you're not losing a daughter. <laughs> oh, anyway, it was a great time. It was everything that you want a wedding to be. It was just uh, Christ-honoring, and it was a uh, thrill to watch those kids come together. And now, uh, I, I told Melody on the way home, I'm distracting since you, I'm trying to wake you up since you just seem tired. 
Uh, so we're on the way home. I said this, uh, I cried when I said this too, but I won't, I won't cry for you today. I said, you know, honestly, Mel, you know, when you're raising your kids, you want to see them come to know Christ their Savior, and you want to see them get to marriage unblemished, and then you want to see them have a desire to serve the Lord that you've raised them to when they're married, right? And I know there's so many holes in what Melody and I have done. Okay, I told you I'm going to cry. <laughs> I'm going to stop. I will get control. You know, you've watched us raise our kids. You know that we did not do this perfectly. There's a lot of gaps. But praise the Lord, those three things are the reality of our kids. And so, you know, God is good. And uh, that's what we were just praising the Lord with. And so, all right, I'll stop. Now let's get back to this. This is what God wants for us. And I'm going to look now, we're going to describe this life that God wants, this abundant life. And I'm asking you to consider this. Does this, what we're going to read here in Acts chapter 2, does this describe the Christian life that I'm living? And if not, am I willing today to let God change my heart and my habits so that they would reflect the abundant life that Jesus said, he died on the cross to give me? That's the question we're asking. Let's take a look at verse 41. And they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. It starts right here with two things. Now, I'm going I'm to approach this. First of all, if you're here this morning, you've never trusted Jesus Christ, your Savior. This is where it starts. They that gladly receive the word. Here is the truth. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And without Christ, you die and go to hell for all eternity. But Christ came to die and pay the price for your sin and for my sin. So that we don't have to spend eternity in hell. But instead, through Christ, we can spend eternity in heaven. And that is the gospel in a nutshell. And he offers then that salvation to us, to all of those who will believe upon him who will trust him to do what he's promised to do. If you've never done that, that's where it starts. And I would hope that you would gladly receive that reality, that truth of the gospel of four young people, four teenagers. There's one fifth teenager that made a decision Tuesday night, but I have to tell you, he's been with us for a couple, three summers in TNT, and he just keeps remaking this decision. So uh, if you, I won't give you his name, but pray for him. We need to get that nailed down for him. It's a one-time thing. You understand? You don't get saved again and again and again. You get saved, and you're given eternal life. That's the whole concept of it. And uh, so we really need to help that young man to grow. But four uh, young people trusted Christ. Two of them went through, followed through with literally coming up to Pastor Andrew and saying, I was one of the ones. Please give me a packet and help me to grow. And that's that's what we're really looking for. So it was just exciting to see all of that happening. So that was Tuesday. And that, if that's you, they gladly received the word Tuesday. You could do that this morning here. You could recognize that God loves you and he wants to give you this wonderful gift of eternal life and gladly receive that truth and trust Christ as your savior. But there's a second aspect I want to carry this out to because I'm looking around and thinking this is mostly Christians I'm talking to. And I'm talking to us about how to live the abundant life that Christ has, lived, has given us to. And some of you have lost the gladly receiving of the word that you had when you first got saved. And coming to church has become habit. And you walk in, you sit down, and there's no receiving at all. It's just you're here, you've filled your, you know, your job, you've checked off your duty for the week and away you go, 
And there's no coming in with a gladly receiving of the word of God. And the abundant life that God's called us to has a consistent attitude toward the word of God of gladly receiving. Of give me something to live by. Feed my soul with the word of God. And that's what these people are doing. They gladly received the word of God. Second thing it says that they were baptized. They literally joined the church here. I believe that Christians who come visit our church have the Holy Spirit of God living in them, and they do not need me to coax them into membership of our church, all right? So if you've been visiting our church for a while and you're waiting for this pastor to come and kick you into joining, it's probably not going to happen. I trust that the Holy Spirit of God can lead you, and that's what we trust to do. And so some of you are probably thinking, man, maybe he doesn't want me here. It has nothing to do with that. I'm just waiting for the Lord to lead you. And what... But listen up. Some of you need to finally take a step. It's, we're glad to have you visiting, but, you know, seven years of visiting is getting a little long, don't you think? And at some point, you've got to jump in with both feet. Join the church. Uh, this is part of the abundant life that God has for you. By the way, deacons, we have a couple that wants to join the church this morning, so we'll meet with them uh, in the library uh, after church this morning. So that's exciting. But join the church. Jump in and get involved. I am telling you that if you want to find the abundant life that God has for you, a church that you are a member of is a necessity. Do you get this? You need to join yourself to a body of believers and begin to serve the Lord together. That's the abundant life that God has for us. And without that, we miss out on it. And I'm not, you know, those of you who are visiting, I'm not, if you need to take some time, take the time. Let the Lord lead you, all right? Not the pastor, let the Lord lead you here. But uh, at some point, you do need to jump in. This is what they did. They gladly received the word, and then were baptized, and were added to them. Now look at verse 42. I want to show you this abundant life. And it says, they continued. They kept on going. They did not stop. Unlike salvation, everything that is going to follow is not a one-time event. Do you understand? These people got saved, and they joined the church. And then there's a continuing of this life. And so everything from this point forward is something that becomes a habit of the abundant life that God has called us to. Look at what it says. They continued, it says, steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. I'm going to break these down for you. First of all, in doctrine is simply learning. If I were to go around the room and say, tell me the last new thing you learned about God, how far back would you have to go? And at what point would you say that it no longer represents a continuation, a continual process? I mean, if there's six-month gaps in between your spiritual growth, would you agree with me that that's not the picture that's being drawn out here? This is a continual thing. This is, this is what the abundant life looks like. We need to be growing in Christ. That happens when you go to church, when you go to youth group. That happens when you open up your Bible and read it and study it on your own. That happens when two or three believers get together and have Bible study. That happens when we talk about the Lord out in the hallway rather than just the latest game. And trust me, I know the latest game is probably big on everybody's minds. Friday was uh, not what everybody expected in the game, was it? But uh, J.D. JD got married 
during that game. No, not quite, but his wedding was still going on. I was like, wow, that was crazy. But anyway, some of you are like, what game? There was a game Friday? Okay, never mind. It doesn't matter. They continued in doctrine, learning your own. But look at the next thing. And in breaking of bread, this is why church becomes so important. It's a fellowship group here. This breaking of bread is not just the Lord's table, although it is. I'm well aware of that. But even the Lord's table is representation of the family aspect of God's believers. And this is what belonging to a church does for you. It opens up that opportunity for fellowship. And some of you, your fellowship consists of an hour on Sunday mornings, and you're wondering why your Christianity is dry and lifeless and boring. It's because it lacks the abundance that God calls us to. This fellowship, this coming, iron sharpens iron, the Bible says. But it's an amazing thing about iron sharpening iron. I've, I've seen, I can't do it. I've, I'd be afraid I'd cut my arm off. Those chefs, you know, they hold up that stick, whatever it is, and they take the knife. And I think it's always cool to watch, but it's an amazing thing. If they wave the knife out here and hold the stick over here, it does nothing, right? The two pieces of metal have to come in contact with one another in order for any sharpening to take place. And God's children are not sharpened. Iron sharpens iron, and you're not sharpened by being separated from each other. The way iron sharpens iron is by contact. And that is why it is so important for you to fellowship, for you to get together with believers, for you to spend time with one another, because iron sharpens iron. And these people made this a consistent thing. They continued uh, in, in doing this, breaking of bread and prayers, uh, and we didn't, I didn't mean to jump down, skip prayer, but let's do prayer. Breaking of bread, by the way, is another concept of that, that the Lord's table, but it's, it's even beyond the Lord's table. Because what does the Lord's table represent? I say this to you every time we have the Lord's table. It's the Lord's table, because, and who, who's he inviting to his table? His family, his children. That's right, it's the Lord's table. It's like your family, gathering around your table, we got, and so the idea is relationship, right? It's that relationship that we have with the Lord. They're going to continue in this. They're going to build on this to come to that abundant life. But keep going, then it goes to prayer. Prayer is a great, uh, powerful concept in the scripture. Does prayer do anything? This is the age-old thing. I have to tell you, in our Bible colleges, I happen to know for a fact, in, in our Bible, I'm talking about our independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist Bible colleges, there are professors saying things like this. You know, God's sovereign, and so God's going to do whatever God's going to do, so your prayers don't really mean anything. Yikes! You know what? I know that God's sovereign, and he is so sovereign that he has chosen to use prayer as his vehicle. That's the sovereignty of God. So God says, you have not because... You didn't pray. Hello, your prayers do make a difference. Right? If you don't pray, you don't get these things. That's what God's saying. And so these people are continuing. They're walking into this abundant life that God wants for them by belonging to a body of believers, 
by learning from the Word of God, by fellowshipping with one another, by building relationship with Christ, by praying. This is walking them into this abundant life. But this is just the tip of the iceberg. Keep going. Verse 43. And fear came upon every soul. Now listen, I want you to hear this. This is a danger for us in America. This fear, there's a twofold fear in the Bible about God. One of them is absolute fear. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, Knowing then the terror of the Lord. That's fear. And we like to kind of explain away the fear of God as being uh, respect. Well, it is respect. That's the other side of it. It is respect and awe. But there is a terror of it. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. That's the Bible. And these Christians understood both concepts of this. And what began to happen, because they were learning more about God and spending time with God's people and growing in God's grace and, and fellowshipping, and, and they, it developed a healthy fear of God and awe of God. We just heard a powerful song, you know, Come to the Cross, about, about what God wants to do, Christ wants to do for us. When's the last time we stood in awe at what God was doing in our lives? When's the last time that we were just amazed? The, the song says, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. And yet, I know that we've walked through our Christianity with very little awe and amazement ever being fathomed in our churches. We're just kind of walking through the motions and one of the things that happens when we're living this abundant life that Christ wants is that we develop a fear of the Lord. And look what happens. I love the end of verse 43. And many signs and wonders were done by the apostles. Now listen, I know, I understand the signs and wonders concept of the apostles. We're not in the apostolic age. We don't have those kinds of apostolic gifts that are around. But you know what happens when God's people begin to live the life that God has called them to do? God begins to do powerful things. When is the last time that you could point back to your family and say, look what God did? You know why we're raising weak kids, or our kids are weak believers? Because they never actually see God do anything in their family. When's the last time that you, know, that you just were able to point out to your family, God did amazing things. And can I say this and not be too Baptocostal here? God wants this as a normal part of our Christianity. The idea that God occasionally does amazing things does not match the God of the Bible that you see that is always doing amazing things. And I am bothered when our church has a dry spell of amazing things that God is doing. Somehow, that is a problem within the church body that we're not living out the abundant life that God has called us to. We ought to be more astounded that nothing miraculous happened last week than we are astounded that 10 miraculous things happened last week. Do you understand? That God would be consistently showing himself strong in our lives. Now I'm asking, I ask you to start out with this. 
let's ask, God, am I do- is this my life? Is this a picture of how I'm living my life? And if not, are you willing to join me to pass and say, God, this is what I want you to do. Through this week and revival week, I want you to change my heart so that this becomes my expectation. I want to meet this kind of God that does amazing things. Go on to verse 44. And all that believed, now listen up, hear me out. Listen, this is important. This is something our church is pretty good on. But I have to tell you, the last three, four weeks, I, I, I love this, and at the same time, it makes a pastor nervous. There is no question that our church is under attack. And you may or may not know some of the things that I'm alluding to, but there have been about three or four things that have happened in the last three or four weeks. It's like every week, Pastor Andrew and Brett and I are like, wow, we got to be praying because things are happening, and it's happening in this issue right here, which is probably the strongest part of Southeast Baptist Tabernacle is now being attacked. You know what has made us so unique the last 27 years I've been your pastor? Is that there's been a unique unity in this congregation. And that's what's being attacked. And most of you are saying, what? I don't know. Praise the Lord. I'm glad you don't. I am. I'm glad you don't. But that's under attack right here. These believers, when they're living the abundant life that Christ has brought them into, these believers have a very unique form of, of unity. They have all things common. Uh, they're together, the Bible says. Uh, this, is just, this is just a wonderful, wonderful thing. And we've, we've enjoyed this so long, quite honestly, folks, we're taking it for granted. That Southeast Baptist has just become accustomed to this is the way we are, and if we're not careful, we're taking it for granted. And like all things in, in God's realm, as he's working with sinful men and women, he, you know, it all hangs by a thread, right? It's there. It's there for our having, but it can evaporate just like that. But look at this. They have all things common, verse 26. And they, now here's that word again, continuing. This is twice now that they've had this thing. And look at the next word. How are they continuing this? Every Sunday. No. Okay, Sundays and Wednesdays. No. Daily. This is the Christianity God has called us to. This is the Christianity that's going to make a difference in our homes, in our churches, in our community, in our personal walk. It's they continued daily. Look what it says. Daily. And with one accord. In the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Do you know what is just unique about this group of believers here in this passage? Is that there's this, there's this unity that is so unique, this bringing joy, gladness. It's, it's just, it is the place to be. And folks, that, that is, that's been our joy. Over, you have made being in the ministry for Melody and I and my family just such a joy. Because... Church is the highlight of our lives. It is. Uh, we long to come here. This is where we get fed. And it's the, the joy of the body of believers coming together. And uh, that's just been such a sweet thing. That God would continue that. If you're missing out on this, 
then this is what God wants to bring you to. It's not stuff. When he says, I want you to have an abundant life, he's, he doesn't want you to buy the cabin on the lake. I'm not against you buying the cabin on the lake. Buy the cabin and invite my family up the lake. That'd be great. But that's not what this is all about. You understand? That's not what God's talking about. He's talking about giving us more than things have to offer. Keep going, if you would, please. Verse 44, let's do one, uh, verse 44 and 45, one more thing that I didn't mention in there. Not only are they unified, all those things, but it's kind of an interesting thing that they're constantly getting together. House to house. Earlier they were getting together and breaking bread. There's a constant gathering of these people. These people who are living this abundant life are being drawn to one another in a very unique way. Go down to verse 45. They sold their possessions and their goods and parted them as to all men as every man had need. Now, again, I'm going to brag on you for a moment. Southeast Baptist got this part down. We're doing good. We love to help people. We love to help each other. And that's what this church is really, this church here in Acts chapter 2 is good at. So they're going to go out there and they're going to they're going to help others who are in need, even if it means a sacrifice for themselves. They're going to help others who are in need. That's what they're good at. Verse 46 says, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple. Stop there for a minute. In the temple. For our terminology today. What is the temple? It is the church. It is. It is. Meaning that the church collectively, our gathering place here, not the building, we're the church, but that we actually gather together. It's daily living out the Christian life out there, one with another, going house to house, and a gathering of the body of believers. Church must be an important part of your life to have the abundant life that God has called you to. It's so important that the Bible literally says that Christ died for the church. God has chosen during this age to work everything he works in the world through his church. And so church has to become important. Some of you need to quit excusing your laziness on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. Well, we do our own thing at home. That's not the abundant life God led you to. Right? I'm not trying to be mean. I love you. I'm gonna, I love you so much I'll tell you the truth. But it, it misses out on the abundant life. You can do that, and there's no question that you can have some joy, and et cetera, et cetera, but you're missing out on the, the, these things right when you that joy may be full. That's what you miss out on. You miss out on those priorities that God established, not this pastor. Some people think that, you know, the pastor wants you to come to church because it makes him look good. <laughs> you know, I mean, I can get numbers anywhere. You know, hey, we're going to give free steak dinners across the street. I can get numbers anywhere. Numbers are not what it's about. So, you know, it's not about whether or not your pastor looks good. It's a, it's a matter of are we getting what God wants for us, this life that he's called us to. So it's not just the, the temple, but then it goes on house to house, and they're fellowshipping with gladness. Verse 47, take a look at this. Some of you, some of you need to look this way just a minute. Look this way, smile. There you go. Just want to make sure you could. All right. Praising, I'm just, I'm just teasing. Praising God and having favor with all the people. I mean, we need to be a church of people that are praising the Lord if we want to have this life that God's given us. And I'm going to show you where this is going. And Lord, this is amazing. And the Lord added to the church. Now, wait a minute. We started out 
by adding to the church, right? And then as God's people continued, and then continued daily, and as they lived out the abundant life that he has for them, the result is that there is a continuation of the adding to the church. So not only is the church growing spiritually, but the church is growing numerically because what we're doing, this abundant life that we're living, leads them to be able to reach other people. I'm going to show you where this all ends. Listen up. Acts chapter 4, just a few chapters later. Listen to what it says. And when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. When's the last time you had one of those kinds of experiences at church? That the place was shaken. When we live the life that God's called us to, then it leads to this. Listen else. What else happens? As this same body of believers just simply continues on, Acts chapter 4, now the place is shaking, and it continues on, and now they're sending missionaries out, and it continues on. You finally get to Acts chapter 17, and listen to what happened with this body of believers who started out simply saying, we're going to do daily, continue the simple things that God's called us to. Chapter 17, verse 6 says this. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These are they, remember what it says, who have turned the world upside down. That's the life that God's called us to. Southeast Baptist, are we having this? Or are we in need of revival? Does this describe our church? Does this describe your Christian walk? If not, then are we ready to say, God, do whatever's necessary to change my priorities, to change the way I'm living my life so that this becomes my norm?